<laughs> Love you both. Thank you so much for sharing that. Um, uh, I, I want to share. I want to share a message today from the book of Acts, chapter seven. If you want to go ahead and start turning there, uh, how, how many sports fans do we have in in the place today? Let me see your hands. Okay, okay. We. <laughs> how did God send me to a church full of people that don't like sports? I don't understand this. Uh, we'll work on you. Uh, if you know me, you know I am just a. I'm a passionate sports fan. I've got my teams that I cheer for, and uh, uh, it's, uh, I, I just enjoy it. There, there is a moment during a lot of sporting events and a lot of games, especially if the game's kind of tight, if the game's kind of close, where uh, there, there's a certain phenomena that takes place. Uh, I've seen this on the golf course. I've seen this in the basketball arena. I've seen this in the soccer arena. Uh, I've seen it uh, all over the place. It, it's, it's at those powerful, tense moments where something exciting is about to happen or could happen. And everybody, regardless, by the way, of how expensive their seat is, everybody just stands up. And they're waiting for that play. I, I can take you back to some moments. In fact, I am so obsessed sometimes. Like when, when my teams, like, this, like the Illini basketball team. Okay, I'm still getting over it. But anyway, uh, when, when, when they would play a tight game, and my family can attest to this, okay? When, when it gets close, like the last couple minutes or so, and, and normally I'm seated on that recliner, and, and I'm doing good, right? But man, when it gets close, I'm standing. I'm in my living room. I'm standing. They can't hear me cheer, but I, I am standing because I am just, come on. I remember when my son used to play soccer and, and he would it'd be at like a, a, a critical point in the game and, and, uh, and he'd get like a, a penalty kick or something like that. And if you know anything about soccer, that, that's a pretty tense yet exciting time. And I don't know if I ever watched a penalty kick by my son seated. I mean, I'd be like, oh, you know, this is obviously going to help him if I stand up, you know, yeah. But I get so excited. I just, I just stand. There's something about standing and just like, yeah, okay, here we go. Let's get into this. I want to take you to a moment when Jesus stood up. I want to talk about what happens. How in the world do people like us cause Jesus to stand up? And no, it's not at a sporting event. Not that I know of. Although I'm sure he does that for the Cowboys because that's his team. Anyway, that's why the hole's in the roof so that God can watch his team play. And uh, anyway, uh, what would cause Jesus, who is seated at the right hand of the Father, to stand up. I want to show you from Scripture when that took place. Acts chapter 7, we're going to start in verse 51. Are you there? Are you there? Acts 7, beginning in verse 51. If you're able to, would you be able to stand with me in honor of God's word? Acts chapter 7, beginning in verse 
51, and we'll go to verse 60. Y'all ready? All right. Check this out from the New International Version today. Now, just as background, Stephen is about to become the very first martyr of the church. Okay? He's about to lose his life for the gospel. Almost the entirety of chapter 7 of the book of Acts is Stephen's sermon, last message, to a group of religious leaders called the Sanhedrin. They comprised of two groups, the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And these were very religious, legalistic people. And Stephen is expressing boldness in their presence, probably unlike any they'd seen since they crucified Jesus. And it picks up here in verse 51. It says, you stiff-necked people, your hearts and ears are still uncircumcised. You are just like your ancestors. You always resist the Holy Spirit. Was there ever a prophet your ancestors did not persecute? They even killed those who predicted the coming of the righteous one. And now you have betrayed and murdered him. You have received the law that, has given, that, that was given through angels, but have not obeyed it. When the members of the Sanhedrin heard this, they were furious and they gnashed their teeth at him. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up to heaven And saw the glory of God. And Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Look, he said, I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. And at this, they covered their ears and yelling at the top of their voices, they all rushed at him. They dragged him out of the city and began to stone him. Meanwhile, the witnesses laid their coats at the feet of a young man named Saul. While they were stoning him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And then he fell on his knees and he cried out, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. What would make Jesus stand up? Jesus, I pray that your word would speak to us today. And Lord, some of us may take for granted what we're going through and not realize your reaction to it. But God, I pray that you would speak to us in a new way today and show us, Lord God, show us, Lord God, how you see these moments in our lives. So God, speak to us through your word, I pray, and we'll thank you in your name. And we all said amen. Amen. You may be seated. When Jesus stands up, pretty powerful moment here, isn't it? Stephen becomes the first person since the day of Pentecost to lose his life for the gospel. He is the first martyr in the church, in the kingdom that Jesus has established. The significance of this moment is is really multifaceted. There's a lot that takes place because of it. But this morning, I want, to, I want to focus on that moment when Stephen looked up and he saw the glory of God and he had this visual 
of the throne room of God. And see, here's what we know from Scripture, and, and the Bible is full of references to this. For example, in Colossians chapter 3, verse 1, Paul writes to this church, and here's what he says. Take a look at the screen. It says, Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where, look what I underlined, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2 also tells us, this is a famous verse, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith, that King James says the author and the finisher of our faith. For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, scorning at shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. May I suggest to you that Jesus did not call an eternal shotgun when he went to heaven. (laughs) There's something more to this. Jesus found himself seated at the right hand of God. What does that mean? When a person was seated at the right hand of the king, that person had the same authority, if you will, as the king. This was a place of victory. This was a place of authority. This was a place that you dare not diminish. It was a place that was a powerful place for anyone to be. It would be at the right hand of the throne of a king. Jesus was victorious by raising from the dead. Can you say amen? And when he went to be with his father, the scripture tells us, not just these two verses, but over and over and over, that Jesus was seated at the right hand of God. We are constantly getting this picture of Jesus being seated on his throne, except for this one moment. Look again at verses 55 and 56 from Acts chapter 7. Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up to heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing, standing at the right hand of God. Look, he said, I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. May I suggest to you that what was taking place in Stephen's life caused, caused the Son of God I need my stool. Here we go. Because It caused the Son of God to go from a seated position on His throne to standing. Stephen. What happened with Stephen caught Jesus' attention. But I'm here to suggest to you that one does not need to be a martyr to catch Jesus' attention. In fact, may I tell you that Jesus was standing way before Stephen died. Jesus was standing way before the religious leaders who martyred him even picked up the first stone. Jesus was already standing. 
Did you catch that? See, in order to get Jesus' attention, you need not to be a victim or victimized or hurt. There are moments, I believe, that we catch the attention of the King of Kings. And I'd like to show you very quickly today what some of those things are. What in my life would cause Jesus to have his attention specifically directed in such a way to me that he rises from his throne? And I got to imagine that not only was he standing He was applauding. What would cause Jesus to do that? Let me tell you what he saw, what Jesus saw. Number one, if I could use this word, he saw Stephen's intensity, (laughs) his passion, his conviction. Stephen... Uh, our, our knowledge of him begins in the previous chapter, in Acts chapter 6. Stephen is chosen with six other men to be deacons of the new church. Stephen, uh, it, it, and what's interesting about this position, by the way, uh, he, he was a spirit-filled uh, table server. There were widows within the church, within the believers that were not being fed. And the apostles said, look, we got to teach, we got to preach, we've got that stuff going on. We need someone to handle this stuff. And so the Holy Spirit led them to seven table servers. And the Bible tells us that these deacons, like Stephen and six others, they fulfilled this job so much that the church actually grew. I just use this as a side point just to say that please do not diminish your role in the work of the kingdom of God. If you think that just because you don't teach or preach or sing that you have nothing to add, I will tell you that it's the table servers of the world. It's the people that are willing to do the things that maybe nobody else sees that cause the kingdom to advance. That's another sermon. Now, That's where we find Stephen. Stephen is arrested and he is put on trial in front of the Sanhedrin. These religious leaders, they were very much responsible for Jesus being sentenced to the cross. These are a group of religious people, as I told you, the Pharisees and the Sadducees. The Pharisees believed that there would be a resurrection of the dead someday. And they were the Pharisees. They were very proud, very arrogant people. Uh, That's why some people say they were the Pharisees. And then the Sadducees didn't even believe in the resurrection. So they were very sad, you see. Uh, (laughs) I'm here all week, folks. But these religious leaders comprise the, 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 the religious leadership of, of the Jewish faith. And, and it's in front of these people that Stephen is just passionately and intensely giving the truth 
of the gospel. Look again. Look how he concludes. Aren't you glad I don't conclude my messages the way Stephen is getting ready to conclude his message here? Look at verse 51 again to 53. You stiff-necked people. (laughs) Okay. Goodbye, everybody. Go with God. Uh, Your hearts and your ears are still uncircumcised. You are just like your ancestors. You always resist the Holy Spirit. Was there ever a prophet that your ancestors did not persecute? They even killed those who predicted the coming of the righteous one, and now you've betrayed and murdered him. You have received the law that was given through the angels, but you have not obeyed it. There is not a lot of fluff in that message. Stephen was telling the truth. How many of you know that our culture desperately needs the truth? Who's going to do that? Could it be that we're relying so much on preachers to bring out the truth that could it be that there might be some spirit-filled table servers in the house that could share the truth of what Jesus is really all about and they could change people's lives forever? We need people who are willing to boldly share the truth. And when we boldly share the truth, then Jesus takes notice. I said, Jesus takes notice. Well, pastor, I'm I'm not as polished as you are. Uh, You don't have to be. You don't have to have three points that start with the same letter. You don't even have to have a sermon. If you know Jesus, you've got a testimony. And so you've got a message. This is what I was before Jesus. This is what I am now. Boom. There are a few, come on, there are a few things more powerful than a testimony of what God has done in healing someone's body, in saving somebody's soul, in putting a family back together again, in delivering somebody out of addiction. There are a few things more powerful than that. And our culture needs the truth. Folks, we, we are living in a culture right now where right is wrong and wrong is right. We're living in a culture that, that, I mean, my good, I didn't think 10 years ago it would be very hard to figure out what gender somebody was. It's not difficult. We've made it, our culture has made it crazy. It's made it silly. And, And if that bothers you, that I say that, you need to understand, then you have fallen for the lies that our culture is telling, that the enemy is telling our culture. And that is this, that if it's not in, I'll reverse that. If it's in the Bible, this is how we live. If it's not in the Bible, this is not how we live. We cannot go against what God's word says. This book is not obsolete. This book is not antiquated. This book is not old-fashioned. This is our moral compass. This is what we have to go by. Well, people get offended. Of course they're going to be offended. It's called a sword. Not a pillow. The pillow of the Spirit. It's the sword of the Spirit. Swords cut. Now, having said that, we need to be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. We need to be smart, 
we have done the gospel no favors, the church, in the last few decades. Because some of us, we are passionate, but we don't have any wisdom. So let's use the wisdom of the Lord and the passion of the Lord. And folks, let's give this culture the truth. There are people that they just want truth. They want what's genuine. Oh, that might bother them. I don't think so. I don't think so. We live in such a world right now that is so lost. They need something. They need something. And they need the gospel. They need Jesus. They need the word. I love Stephen's intensity, his passion for the truth. And, and, and I believe that as he was sharing that, those words that caused our Savior to stand up. What also did Jesus notice? Not only Stephen's intensity, but I will tell you that he saw Stephen's, what I call his injury, his pain, his suffering. This moment of intense, powerful, passionate truth-telling it had a difficult ending. It had a difficult ending. So I'm going to be straight with you. Okay? Uh, there, there is a cost. There is a cost to serving Jesus. People will not understand you. People won't get it. The Bible says that this stuff is foolishness to those that don't believe. They think you're an idiot. They'll reject you. And, and in, Stephen's case, in Stephen's case, it not only cost him popularity, look what it cost him in verses 57 and 58. As they covered their ears and yelling at the top of their voices, they all rushed at him. Can you imagine this scene? And they dragged him out of the city and they began to stone him him, pelting him with large stones until he died. There's times that life itself will bring pain and injury to us, won't it? If you were told when you got saved that from now on, everything's going to be hunky-dory, Peaches and cream and flowers and rainbows and pudding. You were misled. Jesus told his disciples, in this world, you will have trouble. And nobody cross-stitches that on their pillow. Nobody puts that as a bumper sticker on their car. You will have trouble. But then Jesus said, but be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. I think we need to measure success in Jesus' eyes rather than our own. Because dare I say, there may be some people that thought, oh, Stephen failed. Stephen messed up. And he paid for it. Look how uncomfortable, as rocks are pelting him, look how uncomfortable he is. In fact, dare I say, there'd be some, there'd be some theologians, as the rocks are hitting Stephen, they would say, you just need more faith. 
sometimes life is going to get difficult, folks. We, we've all been there. I look around this room. I know people that are watching us right now, we, we, we've, we can attest to that. But you need to understand something. Jesus is not withdrawn from your suffering. Jesus has not distanced himself from you, and, and therefore you're facing some kind of uh, tough time or crisis. In, in fact, it's, it's just the opposite. When we go through those times of suffering, when we go through those times that, uh, uh, of hurt and difficulty, and life gets messy for us sometimes, I believe that those are times that the Lord stands and He takes notice. When you're hurt by life, He takes notice. If you're suffering, if you're being persecuted, see, some of you have no idea what this is like. Some of you go home to, to relatives that are ready to criticize you for your faith in Jesus Christ. And some of us have no idea what that's like. Some of us tomorrow, we will go to workplaces that are not only anti, uh, non-Christian, but they're actually against what you believe. And may, may I tell you that Jesus has not left you. He's not forgotten about you. But, but I believe that he, he takes notice. He takes notice in the midst of your trial, in the midst of your suffering, in the midst of being made fun of for your faith, in the midst of being persecuted for your faith, in, in the midst of not getting a promotion because of your faith in Jesus Christ. God sees that. And by the way, let me just say, I don't know why I said that. That wasn't in my notes. But understand something here today, that promotion comes from the Lord. Promotion comes from the Lord. Whoever needed to hear that, grab that, digest that, take that. All right? Thirdly, what caused Jesus to stand? Stephen's intensity, Stephen's injury. Third, Stephen's influence. Oh, don't miss this. Because this verse is my favorite part of this whole scripture. Verse 58, the second half of it. It says this, Meanwhile, the witnesses laid their coats at the feet of a young man named Saul. So here's the deal. These religious leaders, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, they, I mean, they want to lay in to Stephen. So they take their coats off. And they have somebody watch their coats by the name of Saul. Now, some of you know how this ends. Some of you may not know how this ends. But this is a pretty significant person to be the coat watcher. You see, we've got dozens and dozens and dozens of people that are uh, taking part in this execution of Stephen. But the Holy Spirit inspired Dr. Luke to write this in Acts chapter 7, that they placed the coats at the feet of a man named Saul. May I tell you who Saul later became? Paul. The greatest missionary of all time. Paul. 
the one who was on his way to Damascus to imprison and persecute Christians, this Paul. This Paul who was knocked on his back (laughs) by a bright light from heaven and had an encounter with Jesus that totally changed his life. And he later became the one responsible through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit to write most of the New Testament that we have here today. That Paul, they laid their coats at the feet of a future hero of the faith. At the time, he wasn't even close. Oh. See, that was, that was a bigger thought than, than some of you might have realized. See, at the time, Saul wasn't Paul. But I got to believe... I got to believe as Stephen is getting pelted by those rocks, as Stephen is suffering the way that he is suffering and going through the persecution that he's going through, I got to believe that that moment stuck with a man named Saul. In fact, why else would the Holy Spirit even include that? Who cares who's holding the coats? Oh, whether Paul even wanted to, or excuse me, whether Saul wanted to admit it or not, this moment changed him. If you're going through difficulty right now, if you're being persecuted for your faith, if it's hard to live for Jesus in the world that God's called you to, then please understand this. For every Stephen that's in this building, and for every Stephen that's watching online here today, I promise you this, there is a Saul watching you who is waiting to become a Paul. Oh, that's so good. Understand this. Why am I going through this? Why am I so uncomfortable? Could it be that it's not about you? It's not about you. Could it be that what this is really about is the fact that there is someone watching you and they want to see as that rock hits you, they want to see if you curse those people. As that second stone hits you, they want to see if you're going to walk away from God. As you go through that difficulty and as life gets more uncomfortable and more uncomfortable and more uncomfortable, they want to see if your faith in God is really genuine. And could it be that as they watch you, Stephen, and as they see your devotion to God no matter what, that that Saul is on the brink of becoming a Paul. Could it be that that coat holder is about to become a world changer? (laughs) Oh, I'm kind of preaching here today, church. Listen to me. Listen to me. Quit thinking it's about you. And I'm not minimizing your pain. Goodness, I'm sure that those rocks hurt. I get it. I, okay, but the bigger picture was this. Somebody was watching, and God would use that man to change millions.
of lives. Who is the Saul in your life that's waiting to become a Paul? Who's watching you at work? Who's watching you at home? Who's watching you on the campus, students? Who is watching you in the neighborhood? Who's watching you and waiting to see how you respond? They want to know just how authentic your faith is. And as they watch you, as Jesus watches you, influence that difficult person. And they may not say the sinner's prayer right away. Saul sure didn't. They may not be on the stage of the next Christian festival. Saul certainly wasn't. Saul was throwing Christians in prison, but there was that one day where God got a hold of them. Church, hear me. Hear me. That Saul that's in your life, the Lord sees you influencing them. You may not think you're making a difference. You may not think that you're... In fact, maybe you think you failed because you're getting hit by rocks. And you don't realize that the King of Kings is standing. and He's watching you impact Saul. You've done it. You did it, Stephen. You did it. You have changed a man's life. What else made Jesus stand up finally today? It's what I call Stephen's integrity. I'm going to close with this. And if you know me, that means nothing. (laughs) Stephen's integrity. This really goes with what we just talked about you got to believe as Saul's watching the coats, maybe holding some of them. He's watching Stephen die. How's he going to respond? Oh, he, he was all brave before they started throwing rocks at him. Now, now let's see him. How's he going to react? How is Stephen going to react to the people that are hurting him? How Do you react to the people, Stephen, who are hurting you, who are saying things about you, who say stuff online about you? As courageous as that is. How do you you act? How do you respond? Look how Stephen responded in verses 59 and 60, the last two verses in our text. While they were stoning him, not before, while the rocks are hitting him in the head, while they are stoning him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And then he fell on his knees and he cried out, Lord, could you pray this prayer? Lord, do not hold the sin against them. And when he said this, he went to sleep. There's a part of my flesh that would be, Lord, somehow make these rocks float in the air and just get them back. Right? Don't we pray that prayer, though? Lord, nail them. I don't deserve this. Just give them, I don't know, leprosy or something. Get them. 
But Stephen prayed for them. It's hard to pray for somebody that you hate. And it's hard to hate somebody that you pray for. You want to know the cure of being bitter and angry at a person? Pray for them. Pray for them. And Stephen said, Lord, don't hold the sin against him. And the scripture says he fell asleep. I got to believe, by the way, that that was an act of mercy on God's part for Stephen. Do you know when you can really grab Jesus' attention? It's this. The Lord takes notice when, when we extend forgiveness to people who've hurt us. Dare I say there are some that would rather be pelted by rocks than forgive somebody who's hurt them. And I'm not being facetious. We would rather go through that kind of an ordeal rather than extend forgiveness to the person who has hurt us the most. Because this is hard to do. It's not easy. It's very difficult. Oh, but when you do, you have caught the attention of heaven. The king of kings takes notice. It's my prayer that everyone listening to this today, and every time we stumble upon this scripture in our reading, that we would cause Jesus pause and take notice that we be intensely passionate about our faith in Christ. Ralph, can you help me please? Thank you so much. That in the midst of life hurting us or people hurting us, we'd realize that he's not distanced himself from us. That, that in the midst of whatever it is we're facing, that we would realize (laughs) whether it's because we're going through a trial or we didn't get our refill today, that that we would realize that there very well could be a Saul that's pouring Diet Coke into that pitcher, that there very well could be a Saul in that other car, that there very well could be a Saul in that office building. And they're waiting to become a Paul. And maybe the greatest and maybe the most difficult task of all would be to be willing to say, Lord, these people that are hurting me, this person who's hurt me, I forgive them. God, please don't hold that sin against them. Is that going to change them? Maybe not. They still might be a jerk. They still might be mean. But do you know who that prayer changes? Stephen. You. Me. That's who that prayer changes. 
I want to make Jesus stand up. <laughs> I, want, I, want, I want to cause him to take notice and say, Phil, you've not been perfect. Sometimes you, you're a little fiery. Sometimes you've got a hot head. Sometimes you're a little too sarcastic. Moi? <laughs> and, uh, but Phil... You did good. You did good. Saul was watching. You did good. You've had the right attitude. You did good. You're so passionate about me and my truth. You're, you did good. You, you did good. You, you, you forgave that person who doesn't even deserve it. You did good. I pray that you would make Jesus stand up and take notice of you. Would you stand with me? Could we bow our heads, please? I'm going to close this out in prayer. I got to believe that there's some people that find themselves in Stephen's position and it's been difficult for you. May I tell you that the Lord is not trying to punish you, that the Lord is getting ready to celebrate you. Just be faithful. Just be faithful. And, and for some of us, we need a mind change. We, we need the Lord to renew our minds because we've fed into some bad information. We, we've, we've convinced ourselves that he's against us or it's all about us. Or, or, but the Lord would say, Stephen... I'm proud of you. If nothing else, let the arms of the Holy Spirit be wrapped around you today to let you know, Stephen, that even in the midst of that rock being hurled your way, that the Lord loves you and he is proud of you. And if you need to spend some time today talking to him, would you do that before you leave here? You may want to come to an altar here at the front and, and kneel and pray. You may want to remain at your seat and pray or, or, or whatever. However you can pray, would you just pray? And let's talk to the Lord and he with us. And, and, and when you're done, then walk this thing out. Live it out. Live it out tomorrow. Live it out the rest of the week. Live it out this afternoon. Walk this out. Let's make Jesus stand. So Lord, I ask you all across this room and all across uh, where people are watching us now online, God, that you would just reach out and touch them right now. And God, I pray that you'd meet every single one of us wherever we are at today. Lord, I ask you that we would be at such a place of, of faithfulness to you, of passion for you, God, that we would cause you, Lord Jesus, to take notice. And God, if nobody else is watching, may we know that you're watching, Jesus. If nobody else cares, may we know that you care, Lord Jesus, and that's all that matters. So Lord, help us not just to digest this today in a sermon, but God, help us to walk this and live this thing out 
for the rest of this week. And God, I pray that the Saul's that are watching would become Paul's. And God, that the situations that we are in would bring glory to you. And we'll thank you and we'll give you praise in Jesus' name. And we all said, amen. If you need to pray, do so right now. If God's released you, you can consider yourself dismissed. God bless you.